Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Matthew 6, verses 24 to 34. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. source of anxiety in the world today is money and possessions. People are constantly worried about money, how to make it, how to save it, and how to spend it. We worry over our possessions, our homes, our cars, or our jobs. Concerns over money choke and oppress us and bring anguish of soul. It is also true that family members argue more about money and possessions than about anything else. A recent Gallup poll indicates that 64% of all couples argue regularly about money and possessions. And money is still the number one cause for divorce. In our gospel passage today, Jesus makes some startling statements Statements that run contrary to everything we learn about money and possessions. 
He says that we can be free from anxiety about money and possessions. We don't have to argue about money. We don't have to fight about it. How can this possibly be? This is only true, dear friends, for those who live in conscious dependence upon God. Remember that this chapter comes right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So this is exactly in the middle of the sermon. Jesus has attracted great multitudes through his extraordinary presence and miracles. Now it's time to take his disciples aside from the crowds and teach them the principles of the kingdom of God. He must train them before he sends them out to do the work of ministry. So the master climbs up on a hillside and gives extended teaching. The reason the scriptures say that Jesus sat down is because when a Jewish rabbi gave formal official teaching, he did sit down to teach. This was a serious, solemn moment in the preparation of the 12 apostles. Now, as I said, Jesus' teaching on money comes right in the middle between his warning against laying up treasures on earth and his warning against being full of care for things on the earth. What he is trying to tell us is that laying up treasures and anxiety about wealth and possessions springs from the same root of serving money. On the one hand is the worldly-minded rich man who heaps up treasures not realizing that he will soon die and leave all to another. On the other hand is the worldly-minded poor man who dreams of winning the lottery so that he can have more money to buy more possessions. The point is that both kinds of people, those who are troubled and anxious about earthly things and those who are striving after money and possessions aren't trusting God. They are not living in conscious dependence upon God. In Psalm 73, 25, David says, There is none upon earth that I desire besides you. You, O Lord, are my greatest joy. You are my greatest treasure. You are the pearl of great price. Not my money, not my house, or my job, or my hobby. Neither the worldly-minded poor man nor the worldly-minded rich man truly desires the Lord. They desire money and what it can give them. What Jesus is doing is putting forth an abiding life principle. You cannot serve two masters. We must make a choice and keep on making that choice year after year. Which master will you choose, God or money? Verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now what does Jesus mean? In the Roman culture, a slave had no rights of his own. He was every moment completely at his master's disposal. What Jesus is saying is that God is master and we are unprofitable servants. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is a total life commitment. 
we come from God, we belong to God, and we go to God. Paul repeatedly refers to himself as a bond slave of Jesus Christ. This is our fundamental identity as children of God. We are owned by our sovereign master, Jesus the Lord. The word mammon at the end of verse 24 is a Hebrew word for material things. It carries the idea of riches, money, and possessions and refers to the treasure a person trusts in. Eventually, the word mammon came to be spelled with a capital M and was regarded as a god, a divinity which captured a man's heart. Think about that for a moment, friends. Our God is the power in which we trust. If we trust in material possessions, then our God is material possessions. If we trust in money, then our God is money. If we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Lord Jesus Christ is our God. Money is always an indicator of our true priorities. If you really want to know what is important to people, look at what they spend their money on. Do you know that the average Christian today tithes only 2.5% of his total annual income? That means that most professing Christians around the world aren't even giving back to God the minimum of the 10% tithe that he asks. Jonathan Wesley said that the last part of a person to get converted is his wallet. Sometimes we joke about money. We say things like, I'll be able to afford that when I win the lottery. But actually, the issue with money is not what I would do with a couple of million dollars if I suddenly were given that much. It's what I am currently doing with the money I now have. Am I a good steward of what God has already entrusted to me? Jesus said in Luke 16.10 that he that is faithful in a little will be faithful in much, and he who is unjust in what is little will be unjust in much. Are you faithful with the resources, the money, the possessions, the gifts, the talents that God has given to you? Now, is mammon itself inherently sinful? No. Money and material possessions can be used to further the kingdom of God. Wealth is a good servant, but a very cruel master. Wealth and possessions must always be subordinate to the higher purpose of doing God's will. It isn't wrong to have wealth, but wealth carries a severe responsibility. The greater our wealth, the greater our responsibility to be good stewards of that wealth, to generously invest what God has entrusted to us in the work of his kingdom. Everything we have is a gift from God to be used by God for God's kingdom and his righteousness. The trouble with money is that it can easily become much more than money. It can become a powerful life-altering idol, which breaks the hearts of its worshipers. We see this played out over and over again in the lives of movie stars, athletes, and lottery winners who acquire substantial wealth 
but don't have the character or moral responsibility to deal with that wealth. Do you know that over 70% of lottery winners end up broke, bankrupt, addicted to cocaine, or dead not long after the big win? That's an incredible statistic, friends. In 1998, Gerald Muswagen won the $10 million super jackpot in Canada. But he couldn't handle his new resources. He bought several new cars for himself and his friends. He purchased a large house that turned into a nightly party place. Muswagen celebrated his new lifestyle with large amounts of drugs and alcohol. He was careless and reckless in his spending. One day on a whim, he bought eight big screen television sets, large expensive units for his friends. Eventually, his money ran out, and he was forced to take a job doing heavy lifting on a friend's farm just to make ends meet. In 2005, only seven years after his enormous winnings, Muswagon, depressed and penniless, hung himself in his parents' garage. Immediately following the economic crisis of 2008, there were a series of suicides by formerly very wealthy individuals. One hung himself, a second shot himself in the head, a third slit his wrists. What came over these men? The despair of losing their ultimate source of meaning and security. Money was their god, and once their money ran out, they had nothing to live for. Sadly, the lure of mammon has seduced many professing Christians as well. The heresy of the prosperity gospel continues to enslave souls and hold them captive to the things of this world. It is for this very reason that God says in 1 Timothy 6, 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. What Jesus is asking us to do in this passage in Matthew chapter 6 is to choose between God and mammon as our operative Savior. Not the Savior which many churchgoers profess with their lips, but the true operational Savior of our daily lives. Who really occupies the central place of our affections, desires, longings, and commitments? Is it God? Or is it money and possessions?
You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Then Jesus continues in verse 25. To be anxious about food and clothing is to live as though there is no God to supply our daily needs. Since God has given us life, surely he will provide the means to sustain that life. Our bodies need to be clothed, and we require daily food. God knows this, and he will give us both if we trust him. The truth Jesus is teaching here is that we are obliged to trust God for our life. Therefore, we ought to trust him for the things needed to sustain that life. What is the use of worrying about food, clothing, money, and possessions? Worry accomplishes nothing. The great question of life is, shall I live or shall I die? Being anxious about money and things is foolish because is not life more than food and the body more than raiment? We must trust God for our daily existence. He is the one who keeps us alive. He is the one who keeps our heart beating moment by moment. Therefore, we must also trust him to meet our daily needs, to give us our daily bread. Jesus illustrates God's loving care by pointing to the birds and the flowers. The birds search for their food each day, free of anxiety because their heavenly Father cares for them and feeds them. Think of the infinite love and kindness of God. He cares for every sparrow that flies. He watches over his birds and feeds each of them. Not one of them falls to the ground, but the heavenly Father knows. Or consider the flowers of the field. Flowers have an elegant beauty all their own, which cannot be imitated. There is something so wonderfully lovely about fresh flowers, waving gently in the morning breeze, the sunlight caressing each petal. If God, the master designer, can make such exquisitely beautiful flowers, which are alive today and gone tomorrow, will he not take care of his own children, made in his own image? It is the unbelieving pagans who worry about money, possessions, food, and clothing. Those who don't believe in God overestimate the importance of these things because they have no Heavenly Father to care for them. Our Father loves us. He cares deeply about us and He lovingly provides everything we need. Verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Our focus must be on the kingdom of God, the privilege of living in that kingdom and all the good that comes to us as children of the king. 
Verse 34 says, Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Yesterday is already gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only this present moment to live by faith, trusting in God's grace each hour and thanking Him for His provision. This does not mean that we fail to plan ahead. What it does mean is that we are not unduly solicitous about the future. We don't drag future problems into the present moment and worry about what might happen. It is for us to take every day as it comes from the hand of our gracious God. Don't worry. Give no anxious care. Do not fret about tomorrow, for God cares for you. Jesus reminds us that the good things of this world are not ends, but means towards an end which is spiritual and eternal. The knowledge and love of God, God's kingdom, and God's righteousness. Mammon, possessions, money, can easily become a false god, and the service of mammon is idolatry. What is idolatry, friends? It is the essence of idolatry to trust the things of the world as though they were a final and ultimate significance. Idolatry is the worship of worldly things and it is a subtle but constant ever-present danger to our spiritual lives. That's what Paul has in mind when he says in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. The point Paul is making is that we glory not in wealth or possessions, but in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not put our faith and trust in wealth or possessions, but in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is another perspective on money and possessions we need to consider. God created man hungry. We are what we eat, and we live only through eating. We eat not only with our mouths, but with our looking, listening, smelling, and touching. God made us hungry so that we will seek after him. Because God made us hungry to seek after him, if our desires are misguided and misdirected, we will seek money and mammon rather than seeking after God. We were created to hunger after God and feed upon Him in three ways. First, through eating the Word of God and making its truths the foundation of our lives. Second, through eating the Eucharist, the Holy Communion. And third, through constant prayer and dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We were not created to hunger after money and possessions, for they are a substitute for our true hunger after God himself. This teaching of our Lord Jesus brings all of us to a crossroads. We must choose. There are two ways in life, the way of temporal advantage and temporal focus, or the way of eternal advantage and eternal focus. We must choose. 
If we choose God and his kingdom, we have gained mastery over mammon. We have chosen wisely. Beloved, are you worried and anxious about money or possessions? Has mammon distracted you from what is truly important? Are you worried about the future and having enough? Then let the words of Jesus bring comfort and encouragement. We can be free from anxiety over money and possessions when we live in conscious dependence upon God. We need not be stressed, anxious, or worried if our thoughts and hearts are set upon Jesus and his provision. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This is why we worship Sunday after Sunday, because God knows that the discipline and habit of worship rightly orders our lives before him. It sets our minds on the kingdom of God and refocuses our eyes upon Jesus. When we attend to the preaching of the word of God, we are refocusing on the kingdom. When we kneel to receive the body and blood of our crucified Savior, we are refocusing on the kingdom. George Herbert, the godly English poet, rose every morning, looked at Jesus upon the cross, and said, Thou art my loveliness, my life, my light, beauty alone to me. He learned the secret of seeking first the kingdom of God, by fixing his eyes on Jesus. Will you do the same today? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be free of anxiety about money and possessions as we live in conscious dependence upon you. Help us to do this. Help us live in the good of your kingdom, seeking you first and keeping our eyes upon Jesus. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. To the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G A U D E T E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.